Today on Blue 58, the Packers have a chance to right the ship before their bye week, but to get to 8-2, and two, they have to take down a team that seems perfectly created to exploit their weaknesses. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink, happy to be with you here for another episode and another preview podcast. We get another chance to take a look at an upcoming opponent this week, this time the Packers taking on the Panthers at Lambeau Field. Looks like it's going to be a cold game on Sunday, and that's interesting for a team coming in from the NFC South. The Panthers are having a pretty good season, a surprisingly good season. I don't think that's super controversial to say. I don't think everybody after Cam Newton got hurt, anybody really predicted that they'd still be 5-3 and three through eight games and second in the NFC South, but that's where they sit right now. And they have been without Cam Newton for all but two games, but in his place, Kyle Allen has been playing relatively mistake-free football. And that's really the number one thing you want to ask for from a backup quarterback. Just don't screw it up for us, if anything else. Just don't get in our way. And Kyle Allen has so far more or less managed to do that. It helps that he's got Christian McCaffrey helping him out on offense. He's been close to unstoppable. Then on the defensive side, the Panthers' pass rush has been basically eating teams alive. They have 11 players with at least one sack. That altogether has led to the 10th-ranked scoring offense, a defense-ranked third in creating turnover uh, turnovers, and a surprisingly stout team top to bottom. The Packers have had plenty of opportunity for some self-reflection this week. What went wrong in, in uh, not San Diego, in Los Angeles? I made it through almost all of last week without saying San Diego. Almost tripped up here a week later. No, the Los Angeles Chargers. Things bent, went badly for the Packers in Los Angeles. That gave them an opportunity to look back on maybe some things that they could get cleaned up. Also gave me an opportunity to think about what we may have missed coming up to that game. One thing that I look at, when putting together these previews that I didn't mention in the Chargers game was teams' records in close games. We don't always talk about it on the podcast, but that is something that I like to take a close look at. Some people say to treat one-score games as ties, at least for gambling purposes, for entertainment purposes only, of course, or don't even consider them at all when they're looking at records. Basically, the thinking is, on average, you're going to be about 500 in games decided by seven points or less. And an inflated record in those games might mean you're overachieving. A really bad record in those one-score games might just mean you have bad luck. And the Chargers had a really terrible record in one-score games so far this year. It generally means you're a little bit better than your record. So, With one score being considered seven points or fewer, because a point after touchdown is considered to be basically automatic, so seven points or less, the Panthers are 2-2 and in such games this year. They have a three-point loss to the Rams, a six-point loss to the Buccaneers, a six-point win over the Texans, and a seven-point win over the Jaguars. To me, that says this three- or five-and-three team is more or less as they appear. Their record is not artificially inflated. You should feel pretty confident that the five-and-three team coming to Lambeau Field is legit 5 and 3. They're not overachieving. The Packers incidentally are 3 and 2 in one score game so far this year. They've got that 7-point win over the Bears, a 5-point win over the Vikings, a 7-point loss to the Eagles, a 1-point win over the Lions and a 7-point win over the Chiefs. So I guess 4 and 1, not not 3 and 2. Uh their only other loss I guess was that uh well, what happened in Los Angeles last week. Not a one score game, unfortunately. Packers 
four and one in one score games, not three and two. So maybe they're riding a little bit higher than they should be. Maybe they're overachieving a little bit. Those are the teams facing off at Lambeau. Let's look a little bit closer at the visiting squad, starting with quarterback Kyle Allen. He has been extremely adequate in relief of Cam Newton so far this year. Just nine touchdowns against four interceptions. He's completing just a fuzz over 60% of his passes so far this year. He didn't throw any interceptions in his first four games, but he's thrown four in his last two, including three against the 49ers in a blowout loss. I'm inclined to give him a little bit of a break for those. You get down, you throw picks, whatever. You play a really good team, maybe you throw some picks too. And the 49ers do appear to be a really good team. Overall, though, his interception percentage is just 2.1, throwing picks on 2.1% of his passes. Not elite, but not too bad. You'll you'll live with 2.1% from your backup quarterback. And running back, it's a bit of a different story. No placeholder here. Christian McCaffrey is one of the best in the game so far this year, putting up real big numbers on pace for more than 2,400 yards from scrimmage and 26 total touchdowns. I make that reference to two pretty specific numbers for good reason. Only four players ever in the entirety of NFL history have had 2,000 yards from scrimmage or more and 25 touchdowns or more in a season. Ladanian Tomlinson, Priest Holmes, Marshall Falk, and Emmett Smith and McCaffrey is on pace to have more yards than any of them. That's pretty good. Here's the asterisk, though. He is really the only running back on the Panthers who touches the ball, at least in the running game. Only one other player has more than 10 rushing attempts this year. Kyle Allen is third on the Panthers with 10. So those rushing numbers, as good as he is, may be slightly inflated just because he's getting more opportunities. Aaron Jones, also slightly more efficient than McCaffrey in a couple of years. He gains first downs more frequently than McCaffrey does and catches balls at a slightly higher rate. Still, Don't sleep at all on McCaffrey. He's as good as advertised, and he has a chance to put up some big numbers on Sunday. At wide receiver, you really only have two guys to be aware of for the Carolina Panthers. Only DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel have been targeted more than 30 times this year. Both thickly built running back playing wide receiver types. Moore is 5'11", 215 pounds, a first-round pick out of Maryland in 2018. He has 45 catches for 564 yards this year on 68 targets. He's had at least five catches in each of the Panthers' last four games. Samuel, meanwhile, 5'10", 5'11", 195 pounds, both of them about the same height, a little bit of weight difference. Samuel was a second-round pick out of Ohio State back in 2017. He ran a 4-3-1 40-yard dash at the Combine, so he can scoot. And he has caught exactly half his targets so far this year, 30 catches on 60 targets. When he does catch the ball, it's going for quite a few yards. He's averaging 13.6 per catch this year. He's only had fewer than 30 yards in one game this season. Consistently productive. Tight ends. Uh, Made a joke last week that Greg Olson is 57 years old. Not quite. Just 34. But remember 100 years ago when he was a Chicago Bears first-round pick? You do, don't you? Because he did pretty good against the Packers in a couple games there. Anyway, He's still effective at age 34. In fact, he has been arguably more effective post-age 30 than pre-age 30. Pre-30, he averaged 11.2 yards per catch. Post-30, it's up to 13.1 a catch, averaging 12.3 per catch this season. 
Doesn't have a ton of receptions, but he's making good progress for the Panthers when he does catch the ball. For comparison, after the age of 30, Jimmy Graham is just averaging 11.5 yards per reception, including just a shade over 10 so far this year. The Panthers' offensive line is pretty solid. They are 13th in adjusted line yards in the run game, 25th, though, in sack rate. They do give up sacks at a pretty consistent clip. They are 30th in ESPN's pass block win rate. They're not winning all that much. A noteworthy name here, offensive lineman Greg Van Roten, is the only player on the Panthers' offense who's played in each of the team's snaps so far this season. If that name sounds familiar, well, it should. He played a couple years with the Packers, earlier in this decade after joining them as an undrafted free agent out of Penn. Ivy Leaguer, not bad. Flipping over to defense, you've got a pretty pretty darn good unit here for the Carolina Panthers, starting with the defensive line. They are not great against the run. They give up running yards just about everywhere, especially in the red zone. They do not defend the run well there at all. In fact, they are one of the worst, in fact, the worst run defending team in the red zone. Overall, they are 25th in adjusted line yards, according to Football Outsiders. They give up a bunch of line or a bunch of yards, and it's mainly the fault of their defensive line. But they make up for it against the pass. They are third in adjusted sack rate, and they feature two guys more famous for playing for other teams among their notable defensive linemen: Duntari Poe, for the, formerly of the Chiefs and Falcons, and Gerald McCoy, formerly of the Buccaneers, making the move within the NFC South to come to the Carolina Panthers. I only talk about those two guys among the defensive linemen because all the other guys who really make noise for the Panthers are more edge rusher, almost linebacker types. They've got a bunch of them that really blur the line between linebacker and defensive end, and a bunch of them are pretty two very good players. There are other notable guys, and uh, I don't want to shortchange any of them, but I want to talk for a second about Brian Burns. The six foot five inch, two hundred and fifty pound rookie is the classic outside linebacker, pass rusher type, and I bring that up because he's not really the tweener type the Packers seem to like. So think Clay Matthews, just a classic pass rusher, six three, six four, uh, mid two fifties or so. He's not going to be confused ever for a defensive lineman. But the Packers recently have been trending a little bit bigger. Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, Rashawn Gary all a little bit bigger than the typical 3-4 pass rusher. And this, I think, as much as anything else, probably explains why they passed on him at 12th overall in favor of Rashawn Gary. The Panthers took Burns at 16th, and so far this season he has four and a half sacks and 11 quarterback hits. Rashawn Gary, coming along slowly, has just one sack and two quarterback hits. Of course, among non-edge rushers, uh, linebacker Luke Keekley for the Carolina Panthers is about as notable as it gets. You know who he is. We won't spend a whole lot of time for him in this particular section, though we will circle back to him in just a moment. Good defensive back group, too. Two notable names here as well. Uh, this, again, is shortchanging the entire unit a little bit, but I want to talk about these two guys for a specific reason. Trey Boston is one of the more noteworthy members of the Panthers' secondary. A lot of people thought the Packers should sign him, including yours truly. I thought that would have been a good move. They didn't. Now he's played 100% of the snaps so far this year for the Panthers. Meanwhile, his counterpart in the defensive secondary is Eric Reed, who has four passes defense, three sacks, and a fumble forced for the Panthers. I would not have minded seeing him in Green Bay either. I thought, and in fact advocated, for the Packers to sign him they unfortunately 
did not. Player to watch from the Panthers. Let's circle back to Luke Keekley because I think he is a good counterpoint to Blake Martinez. Martinez, uh, well, we've talked at length about Blake Martinez over the last couple weeks. Luke Keekley is about everything that Blake Martinez isn't. Blake Martinez, a middle round pick. Luke Keekley taken ninth overall. Blake Martinez, a middling athlete. Luke Keekley, one of the better athletes at the position. Even statistically, they're they're miles apart. There are a couple early comparisons where they look pretty good. For instance, Luke Kuechly has three tackles for loss this year. Martinez has three as well. Luke Kuechly has no sacks. Martinez has one, but it gets worse from there. Kuechly has two interceptions so far this year. Martinez has none. Luke Kuechly has seven passes defense so far this year. Blake Martinez has zero. Luke Kuechly has made 18 tackles within a yard of the line of scrimmage. Blake Martinez has made just 10. Luke Keekley has only missed seven tackles so far this year. Martinez has missed 11. And a number that we talked about at length on the last po- uh, podcast, deserved catch rate, uh, a number that uh, counts passes that were dropped as completions. Uh, 95% of the passes thrown into Blake Martinez were expected to be caught. Luke Keekley's rate for the same stat is just 80%. Much better pass defender than Martinez. Just a, a sort of taste of what could be on the other side of the line. And that's not saying there are Luke Keekleys growing everywhere, but that's the sort of player that you could one day aspire to have if you're willing to invest very, very highly in the draft at that position. The last time the Packers and Panthers played was all the way back, well, not all the way back, just two years ago, on December 17th. 2017. This was, of course, Aaron Rodgers' first game back after his broken collarbone that season. He threw three interceptions that game. It was bad. Even though uh, the Packers were either within seven points late, they uh, they had that game kind of taken from them when Geronimo Allison fumbled. I thought the Packers were going in to score. And, you know, if Aaron Rodgers was healthy that day, it probably would have ended up as a Packers victory. Alas, he was not, and it didn't. The final score, Panthers 31, Packers 24. Interesting note, though, all four of Aaron Rodgers' three interception games in his career have come against the NFC South. One against the Panthers, two against the Buccaneers, and one against the New Orleans Saints. Hasn't had a three interception game against the Atlanta Falcons, and hopefully he will keep it that way. All right, prediction time. What's going to happen here? Now, this is a lot like last week. The Packers should win this game. As good as the Panthers are, as well as they've been playing, as competent as they are, as well as Kyle Allen is doing, I think the Packers should handle the Panthers here. Yes, the Panthers have a good pass rush. Yes, they've got dangerous weapons. But the Packers should win. They're at home. They're a good cold-weather team playing at home against a less good team from a warm climate. They want to get that win headed into the bye. They want to have something of a revenge game, kind of bouncing back from where they were last week. The Packers should win. They should take care of all of those things. And yet, last week I didn't say and yet, after setting up all those things. And look what happened. But seriously, and yet, you cannot discount the Panthers. They do have that great pass rush. And the Packers have occasionally struggled there quite significantly. And they were real bad defending Aaron Rodgers last week. The Panthers also have a great running back who can attack defenses multiple ways. While the Packers like to give yards away to running backs. The Packers also have problems with tight ends. And Greg Olson is a tight end who can be fairly successful, who happens to be alive going into this game. 
there's a good chance he's going to get matched up against a, a couple of favorable matchups in this game. And we'll probably take advantage of them if Kyle Allen can find them. So what do the, ha- the Packers have to do to make sure that they come out on top in this one? Well, like last week, I think that they should do all they can to get pressure on Kyle Allen and force him to make reads under pressure. The Packers did not send a lot of extra pressure after Phillip Rivers last week. And when they did have things dialed up, he was able to diagnose things pretty quickly. The Packers have been awfully simplistic in their blitzing lately, and it's hurt them against veteran quarterbacks. Even Derek Carr was able to take advantage of them fairly regularly. Kyle Allen, I think it's a safe bet, is not going to be quite the same. So I would try to do whatever you can to make life miserable for him, make him read faster than he normally would. Secondly, feed Aaron Jones. The Packers running attack was not great last week, but they only got 10 opportunities between Jones and Jamal Williams. Feed both of these guys, keep running the ball, and don't give up on the running game. I'm not a big run to set up the pass guy or that you got to establish the run. I think those things are kind of myths because there's a lot of good evidence that shows, well, that's they are myths. Just run because you can be successful doing it, especially against a team that does not defend the run particularly well. I think the Packers can do those things. I think they get their head on straight this week, and I think they win. Let's say it's going to be relatively close, but not a one-score game. The Packers win 28-20. to against the Panthers this week in a game that's probably not going to be as close even as an eight-point final margin would look. Let's turn to the polls here for a second. Polls went up uh, earlier in in the day as as we record this, so not not final numbers here, but overall uh, generally um, flagging confidence among Packers fans this week. Uh, Everything across the board went down. Uh, We had a few players, a few people last week who were at the 100% mark uh, in in their approval rating. Nobody is up there this week, although, well, nope, there's already some negative votes, so things are not going to turn around for these guys. We're not going to have 100% approval rating for anybody this week. Everyone across the board has gone down. Still, people, people feel fairly confident that the Packers will beat the Panthers, yet maybe not quite so confident as they've been in the recent past. Just 85% of people as of this recording think the Packers will beat the Panthers on Sunday. That is a bit of a a bit of a step back considering the confidence we've seen from people in the not too distant past. What's going to happen on Sunday? I predict a win. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, I wouldn't rate my degree of confidence as super, super high. I believe they will win. I don't know how firmly I believe they will win. We will see. We'll be back with you after the game, after hopefully another Packers win, moving to 8-2, and two, heading into the bye week. And uh, I do appreciate you taking the time to check in with us when that podcast goes up and after this podcast as well. That is all I've got for you in this episode. I do appreciate listening in. appreciate everybody who takes the time to download and listen to one of our episodes. If this is your first time, I do appreciate you checking us out. I hope you will subscribe and stick around. If you've been here for many, many episodes, well, Hope you keep listening and enjoying what we've been doing for you. I have a lot of fun doing it. Hopefully you have a lot of fun listening. If you'd like what you heard, want to help us keep things going, one of the best ways to support us is by leaving a rating and review in whatever podcast listening app you use. It does help more people find the show. If you want to take your support to another level, 
Consider donating to our Patreon camp- campaign at patreon.com slash thepowersweep. Whatever amount you choose will be greatly appreciated. And don't forget to check out our t-shirts and sweatshirts at Teespring by clicking the shop link at thepowersweep.com. If you want to leave a comment, question, a bit of feedback, wherever, do it through social media, through email, wherever you would choose. We do appreciate everybody who takes the time to reach out because every comment, every bit of feedback, every whatever you give us helps us improve the Power Sweep, improve Blue 58, which furthers our mission of helping everyone become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.